here. And Pat and Lori have a great story about, uh, you know, we talk about community and building community as a, as a church, and they've uh, done that, actually, building community, sharing, their, sharing lives together. And so I'll let them take it away and tell us about community. Uh, you saw a video a few weeks ago about Ty Cole and how God's working in his life, and uh, we had a brief mention in that. Uh, we would have preferred that we didn't get any mention in it, but we're here. Um, we, uh, Ty is living with us, and he's not the first person who's lived in our house over the years, um, and we have also had an opportunity to live in someone else's house while our house was being remodeled. And so we know what a blessing it is to live in someone else's house and what a blessing it is to have someone else living in your house. Um, we get to t- uh, watch Ty as he, uh, as he grows. Uh, he's really like a sponge uh, soaking up knowledge, anything he can. He, uh, he sits with Chuck and, and learns from him, and he's uh, in the Porter Brook class. Um, and anything else, and uh, we have opportunities to talk with him. Uh, we get to watch him also in his daily life as he uh, talks about his favorite subject, anything Kansas. Um, and uh, he talks with us about the things that he's learning in Porter Brook, um, and that encourages us uh, because that's pretty deep stuff that he's talking about there. Um, and But there's more uh, to um, living in the same house than just talking. Uh, you get to watch people as they go about their daily activities. Um, he, uh, Ty is a part of our family. We had uh, our son and daughter-in-law and uh, grandson came over today, and Ty hung out with us and watched basketball and watched uh, Reuben uh, ask to go to the bathroom and <laughs> all, the, all the fun things that are involved in life. So, uh, and we get to hear him laugh when he experiences new things like that and remembers his own life growing up. So... Um, uh, some, one of the things that, that uh, Ty and I talked about this morning as we were driving up, there's this news article about this basketball team owner who thought he had a private life and made comments uh, which got out in public. When you have someone living in your house, you don't have that opportunity to hide. So everything you have, your, your whole life is stripped bare in front of somebody else. That's kind of challenging, but it's, it actually builds community and helps people to grow and see what life really is like uh, living uh, as a Christian, seeing your example, and then you get to see their example. Uh, and you get to feed off each other and grow that way. He even heard us argue, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I do remember back we had, uh, I thought I was perfectly calm, and Lori pointed out that I was kind of irrational. And Ty, Ty got to observe that, so, so it's all part of life. Uh, so, uh, and God put his body together uh, so that our unity would reflect the unity that he has uh, in the Trinity and show the world so that people will see um, that will bring people to God and give him glory and we want to be a part of that so this is just one way that, that uh, we have an opportunity to do that and you, you guys have an opportunity to do that too if you ever get a chance to have someone live in your house so that's it thanks oh any questions anybody has? It's great to have an example of shared life, right? And God wants us to steward all of our resources, uh, financial, but possessions as well. And so it's great to be able to see an example of sharing your home. 
with, with somebody that, that needs it. So um, I'm going to ask Tim Bolacek, come on up. And Tim is one of our, he was introduced this morning, one of our newest members. And I asked him to share a little bit about, uh, just so you get to know him as a member, a new member, but also to share about a little bit about his experience his first month or so, or two or three months at Churchill Mill attending. So I'll let you take it from there. Thanks. Ted asked me about a month ago to uh, if I'd come up and speak and said he wanted my testimony. So you know, I wrote out my testimony and sent it to him and in only Tad's really uber polite way, said, no, no, we don't really want to hear about your whole life story, just the last couple of months here. So, so this is my testimony updated for, for Tad, and I'm, I'm going to read it so I can be brief, Julie. <clears throat> I became a Christian when I was six years old. I grew up and attended the same church for the first 25 years of my life. My parents still attend that church and have been there for more than 70 years. After moving to Arizona in 1991, I found myself looking for the same type of Christian community that I had grown accustomed to. The problem was I had a Christian community that had been developed over a quarter of a century, and many in the church were related to each other, so it was like a large extended family. Everyone knew each other. They were there for each other whenever there was need. My mom, who's 82, had open heart surgery in January. And when she came home, people in the church provided meals to her for 42 days, different people. So that's the kind of community I'm used to. <clears throat> I tried a number of different churches here in the East Valley, but after a couple of years, found myself looking for something different. That, repeat, that pattern repeated itself for about 15 years until I landed at a Chandler church that had recently called a new pastor who was trying to do church differently. There was a big emphasis on taking the gospel out of the church and equipping and empowering the members to share their faith at work in their community. Small groups were also developed where people could get to know each other in a much deeper and more tangible way through Bible studies and Christian ministry. Unfortunately, after six years, that pastor was called to a new position out of state, and I felt led to look for another church home. I started attending a church on Mill at the beginning of this year. Pam and Randy are good friends of mine and had invited me I love her. I'm not sure why. They had invited me a couple of times in the past, um, so I began to come. In January, I set up a meeting with Chuck to try and get to know him better and to, and to get a better understanding of his vision for the church. It did not take long into that conversation to realize we were on the same page in so many areas. He helped me get plugged into a gospel community amazingly with Tad and Katina, might I add, um, near my home, and I've had the opportunity to get to know about 20 members more deeply. I decided to attend the financial peace class on Wednesday nights with Pat and Lori, um, where I had a chance to learn more about Dave Ramsey's system and as a way to intersect with more folks as well. When the eight-week new members class was announced in February, I realized that was a great opportunity to learn more about the history, doctrine, and vision of the church directly from Chuck. If I was going to attend church here, I was interested in becoming a member so I could be more fully involved. I believe God's led me here at this point in my life, and I'm very excited to be joining the church. I look forward to everything that God has in store for all of us here in the coming days. And might I also add that my son was here. I was going to have you greet him afterward. <laughs> oh, he's in the back getting some food. So anyway, that's my testimony. Thanks. It's great to be here.
So in just a short amount of time, Tim's become a good friend and uh, really grateful to have him as part of our GC. If you're not part of a gospel community, then I would really encourage you to become a part of one. It's, it's a great opportunity to get to know people, as he said, on a deeper level. And one thing he didn't say, he shared this with me, and I'll just share this as an encouragement. He shared with me earlier that uh, the church is so warm and welcoming that he would be here on Sunday mornings and people would come across the room and say, I saw you last week, but I didn't get a chance to meet you. So I just want to thank you as a church body for being so warm and welcoming and encouraging the new people that you see. So it's great, great testimony and great to hear that. Uh, thanks for sharing. So uh, our next couple of people, next couple of stories are about uh, making disciples. And uh, we, one of the classes, one of the things that we do on Wednesday nights is disciple makers or equipped to make disciples or disciple makers. DM, disciple makers. <laughs> disciple cycle. Yes. Okay, so disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Exactly. So um, so Dana, come on up here. Dana Leinberger is a part of that class, been going for about a year, I think. Were you were there? No, just recently. So the past four months, but she's got a great story of what God has taught her through this disciple makers class. Thank you. Thanks, Todd. Um, I'm Dana Leinberger. I've been coming here for like, oh, almost 13 years, about as long as I've been married. Um, and I'm just excited to be able to share with you tonight. So about two years ago this spring, I attended a small women's book study, um, and we read the book, You Can Change. We read it a chapter at a time and then got together to discuss the main ideas of each chapter and how it affected our change project. An assignment in the book focused around a particular area we would like to change in our lives. The change project I chose to focus on through the book study was control. I read each chapter and then discussed my challenges, desires, and hopes all tied to my struggle with control. I learned that my desire to control is part of my role in a grand illusion of my own making. To believe that we can control much of anything in this life is a hoax from the very beginning. This knowledge of a lie I believe was not freeing. However, it did lead me to reflect on my own actions and thoughts around the issue. And by the end of the book, I ultimately decided that I could control my own thoughts and my own actions. As a result of the study, I focused on appearing less controlling accepting decisions and choices that people made around me without judging, and ultimately compartmentalizing my controlling tendencies to specific areas of my life where they are appreciated and at times needed skills. I'm a teacher. <laughs> this is probably making you, some of you nervous right now. Um, eventually, as a result of these changes, my husband and I fought a little less. I felt less stressed out about being the mother of a toddler, and I was able to better express to my own mom my struggles with control. The type A inside of me was ready to check this one off my list. Control, check. I don't struggle with that anymore. <laughs> Enter part B of this uh, plan of God's. Um, so Jared and I joined Disciple Makers in January, which is a small group on Wednesday nights. And the first book we read at the group was, yep, you guessed it, you can change. I thought, sweet, I got this. I don't have to read each chapter. I can just browse over my notes from the previous time I read the book, help others to understand it a little better. <laughs> we read through the first couple chapters, and in my prideful self, um, I thought that it was a, a good refresher. And we got to chapter three, titled, How Are You Going to Change? And as I read over the chapter before class that week, something really stood out to me. And in that moment, I realized that I got it all wrong. 
I'd been telling people for the last two years about how I had changed for the better by being less controlling, and in doing so, my marriage and family life were better for it. It seemed like every sentence I spoke began with the word I and ended with my receiving all the glory for any blessing that had come out of my newfound understanding. When I focused my mind on modifying my behavior, I was serving myself and my own selfish and prideful desires. To have an easier marriage, to look good in front of my family, my friends, and my church, and to gain favor and blessings from God for the works I had accomplished. So, uh, a scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. When I focus my mind on the transforming of my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm serving a gracious Heavenly Father who I look up to in awe of his holiness. To know that there is nothing I can do to make God love me more or less, he already loves me more than I can ever comprehend while I live on this earth. To act in such a way that brings glory to God despite my fear of being rejected by my family or my friends. And to surrender my life to Jesus Christ with the full knowledge that nothing on this earth can ever exceed the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. The book teaches that true heart change occurs through faith as we trust in Jesus Christ and repentance as we submit to Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful for this revelation in my life and I look forward to what God has in store for me in the future. I turned to him to rule over my life in order that I might glorify him, giving totally out of my own grip of control. Thank you. I'll call Danny Freiberger to come on up here. And uh, we've spoken about Porterbrook before, and we've started a pilot program of a group of, I think, eight or nine people a meeting once a week to go through Porterbrook material, which is disciple-making material. And Danny's part of that group, and I'll let you share a little bit about what you've experienced with that. Thanks, Tad. Okay, so as Tad said, currently I'm participating in a pilot study for Porterbrook. Porterbrook is a set of courses designed to help make everyday Christians live in light of the gospel and create community on mission. One of the first courses that we studied was gospel living. In unit one of this study, the content is that every aspect of life should be lived for God's glory. And after reading the unit, I was asked how I would bring truth, that truth to bear when talking with a mother faced with an obstinate two-year-old child flexing his self-will. And as many of you know, I have three of them, so I thought this would be a great one for me. Um, In unit one, the idea of every aspect of our lives is to be lived for the glory of God is referenced from 1 Corinthians so well, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. This chapter goes on to state not only should every aspect of our lives to be lived for the glory of God, we should live our lives with a radical and determined intentionality that ensures that every aspect of it honors God who made and saved us. We need to lead a thoughtful life so that we can focus on this thought instead of allowing ourselves to focus on the negative behaviors of those around us and giving way to our emotion. This thoughtlessness leads to self-centered view and opens the door for sin. I believe parenting, like no other relationship we have, challenges us in this area. What other relationship are we part of every day and also have the added pressure of being fully watched and fully imitated? 
I have personally struggled with how to keep my own emotions in check when dealing with obstinate children. I find myself at times more focused on having the children that are obedient to my will than to God's. It is in these times that I am more self-centered, rushed, hurried, tired, and I need to give myself a time out so I can regroup and try to view the situation through the lens of how to glorify God. In trying to view this view the situation through the proper lens, I first remind myself that the child is doing is completely normal and not a personal attack on myself. This normally helps me reduce my frustration. Next, I remind myself that my actions should show God's love and mercy. And lastly, I ask myself, what about the behavior is problematic in light of God's commandments, and how can I speak truth into their heart? When I walk myself through these thoughts, I find myself more successful in glorifying God and not just creating obedience to my will. Children are built to test authority again and again and again. It is how we as parents handle these testings that will teach them about God and our relationship with him. Thank you. So do you see a theme here of... God speaks to us individually, of course, and just through your own study and time with God. But when you're in community, when you're being challenged, when you're meeting with a group specifically uh, to look at yourself, to be held accountable, to go deeper in Scripture, that's often when God does a lot of work. So it's, it's great that we have a church that is so committed to that community and to cell phones ringing and... Uh, yeah, so it's great, great that we have a church that's so so committed to building that kind of community, and I'm I'm really excited that that we get to see that over and over and over again in people's lives. Um, our internship program transitioning a little bit uh, from some testimonies of God at work. Well, this is God at work as well, but our our internships have been uh, just a great success. It's been about a year and a half now since Hansley joined us as an intern, and Chuck is going to come up and give a little update on where we're at with our interns. Good evening, everybody. Great to see so many of you. Thank you for coming out. Appreciate you being here. Um, I was asked if I would just give a little bit of information on what's happening with um, interns now. So if you're, if you're new in the last year, um, we've added this ministry as a way to uh, give to the larger church, the Big C, um, all Christians everywhere, and a way to support future church plants and church revitalizations, those kinds of things. So currently we have um, Hansley who's serving, and he was asked to stay on uh, another year and has done just a fantastic job. He will be two claps. Yeah. You're too clap worthy. Uh, but just... Uh, He's uh, a man that God has, has gifted in a, a lot of ways, and you've had opportunity to see that. He'll be talking a little bit later tonight about the trip to Haiti that's coming up. And uh, ultimately, his understanding is that uh, the Lord is going to uh, send him back to Haiti, where he's originally from, to be a part of church work there. So we're excited just to be a part of that process. And really want to thank you for how you've embraced uh, him and also the Pattersons. So... The Pattersons are over there, Patrick and Becky. Uh, they are They are uh, coming up on the end of their time here. 
they were already members of uh, the Church on Mill family prior to taking on an internship, which was great to see that happen. And uh, they are headed to uh, Southeast Asia to do mission work there, as long as the Lord uh, allows them that blessing. And they are uh, finishing up the process of uh, raising funds, so they're entirely dependent on support in order to do that work. So on May the 18th, we will have a a special time of prayer and commissioning them as part of a sending off process. And then the following Sunday will be their last time here. And then they're going to uh, move to uh, where Becky's from in order to do some further work there, enabling them to be able to go. So continue praying for them. And uh, there's not many things in the church that they haven't touched in the last year, both incredibly uh, encouraging and gifted. So thank you. We've been blessed to have you guys. Uh, So that has given us opportunity to consider um, who could be added. And we've had a variety of applicants from outside the church and a couple from inside the church. And I'm excited to tell you tonight that Logan Paskey, who is already a part of the church family, will be joining us as the next pastoral intern here. Logan, would you come on up and would like for you to share? You didn't even do anything and you got applause. That's fantastic. Uh, Logan uh, is, um, he'll, he'll tell you some of his story, but uh, before he, he talks, I'll just uh, tell you I've had a, about a year now to be in relationship with Logan, and uh, he's a man that loves the Lord and is committed to his word. And uh, he's, um, w- one of the hopes we have is that people uh, gradually will be able to uh, serve full-time as interns. So interns are not compensated financially directly. They're given housing with some of the houses we own as a church, and that's the way they're, they're paid. And we'd love to see... Uh, people outside the church supporting and enabling them to serve even greater so they don't have to have an outside job. And Logan's going to have that opportunity. So he's going to serve uh, full-time here for a year and is going to focus specifically on a college ministry. But would you tell us a little bit of your story? Uh, my name is Logan Pesci, and um, I grew up in a Christian home and very, very authentic, loving Christian parents. Um, but there was a problem in that I was a religious hypocrite, and... Uh, Fully in love with sin, fully hated my parents, fully hated my siblings. And uh, this morning, I was uh, just amazed and struck by God's love towards us and the power of the gospel to change people's lives. And I love the testimonies we heard. And um, it's just it's just a reminder of what God has done in my life and in our lives. And um, so uh, I just want to say that um, you know, as I've gone down this journey and God revealing Himself to me and showing the gospel to me and and the power, it's completely changed my life. And um, I could give you a lot of background. I could go, you know, a long time, but I'm not going to. So I'll keep it short and simple. Um, uh, God saved me when I was about 16 years old, um, freed me from sin. And, and, and I wanted to do two things, um, preach the gospel and follow Christ uh, wherever he leads me. And uh, that led me to Arizona with my family. I've been involved with a lot of street evangelism, a lot of different things. I've done a ton of different things over my life. And. Um, have, I've just grew, went from hating education to loving education, went from hating parents to loving parents, hating siblings to loving siblings, and God's grace is just amazing, and um, he's brought me here today, and I am so thankful for this church. It's been incredibly welcoming to me, um, and I really do have to thank 
you guys for welcoming me. And um, this church is really like a hospital. This is a place where people detox and people are freed from sin. People hear the gospel and believe. And I am so thankful for Chuck and for Tad and um, all the things that have been happening in my life. I'm sorry. I had I had an outline, but um, <laughs> so I've been involved in so many different ways. I've been with uh, Tad's uh, gospel community group and really have enjoyed that and loved that. Um, I've been involved with the college ministry, and I'm absolutely in love with the students to college ministry, and I'm so thankful I get to be part of this. Um, and I've been involved somewhat, a little bit with the video video as well with Ty and working on that. Um, I really believe that God has called me to become a pastor someday full-time, and I'm so thankful that uh, there's this internship program here, and you guys have embraced interns and, and love them, and I've seen the growth, um, even, even evident before when I was going to Phoenix Seminary and now Golden Gate Seminary, seen it in Hansley, seen it in Nathaniel, and how you guys are challenging them to continue to grow, and, and I really want to be part of that. I really want to grow as a believer. I really want to grow as a leader. And um, I love college ministry. I love discipling people. I love seeing people come to the gospel and are just radically changed by the power of Christ. And this church is all about that. This church is all about the gospel. This church is all about seeing people change. And so that's really why I want to be here. And uh, my parents aren't here. They'll be here um, late May. Um, but uh, I really am so thankful to them. I just want to give them a shout out. I know they're not here, but... Um, <laughs> I'm so thankful to them because uh, they are they've committed to supporting me so I can be involved in college ministry here on campus full-time, 40 hours a week. And praise God for that. And I, I'm just, I just encourage you, please pray for the college ministry. Please pray for all the people who are going to believe the gospel, who are going to come to Christ, all the people who are going to grow as Christians during this time in ministry and in transitions in general. And please just pray for me as well through this process because I was pretty nervous to come up before all of you guys. And, but I'm just so thankful for you guys, and I love you guys, and um, that's all I got. So, <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thanks. So, uh, Logan will be graduating from Golden Gate in May, late May, and then will uh, move into uh, the house that Hansley lives in. And so, uh, Hansley will no longer be a bachelor. We'll have Logan. So, we're uh, excited and to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both your minds and consciences are corrupt. That is in the scriptures. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So, uh, Logan will, will uh, commit to, to a, a year here. And so uh, thank you for the way you're investing. This is really, um, it's mission work, and, and it's uh, really exciting. And we're growing tremendously as a result of these very committed people who are living out their lives before us. So any questions about what's happening in that area of ministry? Just moaning? No? All right. Great. Ted? Tim, you said earlier that you found yourself to be of like mind with Chuck. Do you want to take that back now? No? Okay. Uh, we have a lot of things go on in the summer at, at Churchill. A lot of student ministry, college students, uh, children, youth, 
just a lot of different things, camps go on. So I've asked Bill and Andrea to come and just give us a little update on what is going on this summer so that we can be praying for them and just so we as a church body can know what all is happening. So, great, thanks. Before I do anything, I have to say happy anniversary. (laughs) 23 years ago on this stage, she decided to take the, well, a lot of different stage. So <laughs> I couldn't get by without doing that. Uh, you heard from Logan. Logan's going to actually be leading some Bible studies this summer. In the summertime, we sometimes ramp down for the college ministry, but there's going to be a number of students that are going to be here this summer. So he's going to continue that. And then the college students will be going to Gloriata this summer as well for Collegiate Week. And that was a very much requested thing for them to do. It's a great way to, uh, I say, start off your, their school year. And um, it's, it's a really good opportunity. I actually met Andrea at Collegiate Week uh, a number of years ago. So it does work in many ways. Um, the other thing is uh, the youth will be going to M. Fugigan this summer. And uh, we're going to change things up a little for Serve the City. That's our uh, local mission work. We're going to be doing mission work during the weekends and evenings and looking for various things to serve in that area. Um, pray for us. We're still... Uh, trying to have garage sales. We've been doing a, what I call a progressive garage sale. So pray for camp funds. Uh, I will just say this. I have a youth going that is not saved. And someone from outside the church heard this person need a scholarship and gave him a full scholarship. So it's just neat to see God at work like that. So, and now I'm going to let Andrea give her list. <laughs> no. Okay, Um, I'm going to start with a a new thing. Um, We have an, um, I have an intern for the summer, Sonia Hernandez. She's, yay. Um, I love when God brings me people that want to run around with me all summer. That's exciting. But Sonia's schedule is a little different. And um, she's going to be actually starting in the middle of May and helping me through the end of June. And she's going to summer school full-time during the day, so it's a little different. So we've come up with something that kind of meets her goals of what she's hoping to learn during this, uh, like, six- to eight-week season. We're calling it Summer with Sonia. And she is writing um, a lesson, which is something she's taught before using curriculum. She's never built a lesson from the ground up. So she's working on that. And she would like to offer to our preschool parents and our children parents to come into your home and do this lesson with your children and maybe between two and four neighbor friends um, that live in your immediate area that you are trying to share Jesus with. And um, kind of like old school backyard Bible club, but it's too hot to be outside, so we probably need your, you know, your playroom or um, kids' bedroom, somewhere with some air conditioning. Um, and she, she's going to have for you in a few weeks a sign-up um, online, so you'll get an email to choose a time slot. Um, we're looking at like 4 to 6 in the evenings and a couple of times on, on the weekends to accommodate our uh, families that work during the week. So look for that. She's um, excited about giving you guys this opportunity and um, being with different ages. She's mostly focused on preschoolers, and she's wanting to have some experience with children as well. 
and, and see um, her kind of her goal for the summer is how does God work in families? And that's been what she's studying in school, and she's interested in, in exploring that. So help her with that. Respond when you get the email from her and see if that's something that would fit into your family's ministry this summer. Um, we also have kids camp for the third through sixth graders. We have vacation Bible school. And um, thank you, Becky, for our really cool vacation Bible school cards she made for us with all the info. There's a big stack uh, back on the table. Please pick those up. Um, I only know so many children that I can invite. I need you to invite your friends um, and have them register. We, the um, link is on the card. And then uh, the children also in July, I'm, um, the youth have gone to feed my starving children, and it's a great place to serve, and they do accept children. Uh, with good adult-to-kid ratio. So look for information about that. We'll do that at the end of July, kind of right um, as school is getting back in session. I have a time for that. For our preschoolers this summer, they have Vacation Bible School too, if they're three and older. I do let our uh, like two-and-a-half-year-olds, two-year-olds who are members at Church on the Hill, their families are, come because they're used to us and our place. So register them online, too. I do need more volunteers, about six or seven more crew leaders, a couple more people to bring staff dinner or for the VBS staff, a um, couple other little uh, helper kind of roles. So if you like to participate in that as a volunteer, you may sign up online as well. Our preschoolers are also going to have um, a couple of uh, family nights out kind of events. The wards are hosting a family potluck and pool party at their house, and then we'll also be going to a community pool in July. So look for some things for your preschoolers and for your kids this summer. Thank you. Bill, does anybody have any questions for Bill or Andrea about what's going on this summer? Okay, you can go. All right. Thank you. Lots of great things uh, this summer. Uh, the next three um, uh, updates are about mission trips. So we, we want to take our missions work seriously. We want to be able to reach out to people around us. And I'll uh, tell us about the first one. A uh, group is going to Sheffield, England. How many of you have, uh, well, actually, Dana mentioned the book, You Can Change. Have you ever read a book by Tim Chester or Steve Timmis? Lots of us have. Um, it's a, a church in Sheffield, England called the Crowded House. Uh, that's actually the name of the church, the Crowded House. And uh, they do small groups really well. And so there's a conference May 21st through May 25th that uh, four couples are going to go to this conference and going to be uh, trying to be immersed in both teaching and also go to some of these uh, small groups themselves and see how these are how people are interacting, uh, how we can perhaps bring some things back to Church on Mill and do a, a even better job at, uh, at reaching out to people, being missional, building community, uh, sharing the gospel, and speaking the gospel to one another. So uh, Todd and Amy Deal, raise your hands. They're going. Chuck and Jill are going. Katina and I are going, and Eric and Danny, raise your hand. Are going so you can be praying for us again May 21st through 25th in England and any questions about that? Yes. 
I'm sure one of the, that's a good question. I'm sure one of the formats will be right here. Uh, we, we would hope to be able to share a little bit of what we learned uh, from that conference. But part of it is it'll trickle down through our gospel communities that we're a part of, as well as hopefully sharing with some of the leaders of other gospel communities what we've learned. Um, Chuck went to this conference a couple of years ago and found that to be extremely helpful as we started our gospel communities and looking at how we reach people, how we how we do small groups. So it's already been effective in that way, but I think more people going, it'll allow us to widen the net. So any other questions? Oh, all right. Hansley, come on up here. Hansley's leading a mission trip that was delayed, and now hopefully it will not be delayed again, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the trip to Haiti. Thank you, Tad. I am privileged to be asked to share about Haiti, and I am actually reading a blank screen, but giving Tad the assurance that I will not go over three minutes <laughs> by doing this. And I'm timing myself, Tad. Um, <laughs> you are too. <laughs> um, so we are going to Haiti. This is a delayed trip. Um, this has been an ongoing effort since last summer. Our trip in January was delayed, and we're looking forward to going from May 17th to the 24th. We'll be traveling on the 16th. That will be a night of traveling to, to be in Haiti by the 17th. Um, we also have um, one less member going with us. Um, Carson Chandler originally um, was planning to go with us, um, but she has since moved. And so um, our team is now down to five people. Myself, um, Ryan Merrill, Kent Hardy, Pam Hagler, and Joshua Sillard. Um, and really the one request that I would have is to pray particularly for the region that we're going to. Um, Haiti is a dark place, um, but Leogan in particular has a reputation of being a really dark area um, in Haiti. So as I was talking to some family members about our trip to Haiti, and as, and as I told them about Leogan, that was by far the, the reaction that I would get is, oh, Leogan, there's a lot of darkness there. Um, so just be in prayer for them um, in, in the hope and in the truth that perfect love does cast out fear. And so um, we are going in with the boldness and the power of Christ empowering us, but also with the belief that um, his love um, can cast out the fears that is embedded in that region. Um, we'll be in Nepali, Haiti, which is just outside of Leogan. And we'll be going with an organization called My Life Speaks. And so they're very good about detailing the trips and um, their ministry on their website. And so I would encourage all of you to go to mylifespeaks.com to get some of the details of what will be going on in our week. Um, and so that's um, what I wanted to share to be in prayer um, in regards to the darkness there in Nepali um, near Leogan. And wanted to open it up to any questions that you may have. Yes. How do you spell Leogan? L-E-O-G-A. And oh, I can't. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> the last letter is E. <laughs> it was actually set at 2.30, so we have like 15 seconds. Any other questions? I have no idea. 
Um, we'll be doing several things. Um, My Life Speaks have different things that they do, one of which is they have eight special needs kids that actually live there, and they have a house parent for them, and they take care of their needs. So we'll be primarily working with the house parents as well as the children there. Um, they're also embedded in the community, and so within their local church, we'll be, we'll be doing ministry there as well. Um, so I'm planning on, um, on teaching and, and doing a sermon there um, for the church service. Um, and they also have a school, um, and we're doing a feeding program there while we're there. Um, there's what they call Restavex, and so these are um, child labor, so kids um, really young who are supported by a family in terms of daily provisions, and in return, they pretty much work day and night. One of the things that the organization had asked for the members in the community is to allow these kids to be released at least once a week so that they can just be loved on and be kids and have peers that they can play along. And so that's going to happen in about, so they get to do that for about two hours a week. And while we're there, we're going to love on them and do crafts and um, just share the gospel with them as well. Um, there's also some um, projects going on in terms of constructions, but at this point, we're not sure specifically what we'll be doing there. Um, but that's also going to be a part of it. So a lot of it is working with kids, doing crafts, preaching, um, working in the community, doing prayer walks, um, but there's also going to be some hands-on um, construction work as well. So, good. Yes. <laughs> there's always that possibility. Um, um, <laughs> he said the area is really dark. Does this mean that there's not a possibility of us coming home? Um, and so, I mean, that's, you know, the Lord knows. Um, but in terms, of, um, in terms of our safety, that is something that is a, a primary concern for us. And so logistically, um, they will provide security in our transport to the airports. Um, we've talked as a group in terms of staying in as a group. Um, and my familiarity with Haiti and the culture, I think, would be very helpful in terms of safety is concerned. So, so in regards to darkness, I'm thinking specifically about voodoo and, um, and just like just dark spiritual oppression, fear-based, um, not necessarily being kidnapped and being shot. Um, <laughs> but, but should that happen, I know where I'm going, so praise God. <laughs> Yes, there's going to be a lot more of a relational component to this group. Um, and she's referring to um, the previous organization, which was Living Hope Missions. That's where we were initially going to go in January. And most of the work there was going to be labor. Um, whereas now with this new organization that we're with, it's a lot more dealing with the kids um, and some aspect of manual labor, but a lot more relational sharing in the community, praying, testimonials. Um. 
yes, there will be some familiarity with English, and there will be translators there as well. But um, it's not going to be the main language. So, please, please, please. Any other questions? All right. Sorry, Tad. Their fault. <laughs> A look. Little known fact about Hansley. He's one of four interns, right? The only one that's not part of my GC. So, jerk, right? <laughs> Someday, maybe you can attain to the level of the other, other interns. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, so last update, uh, Julie Mitchell and Natasha Davidson, come on up here. Um, you guys remember Mez McConnell? who came and spoke in February, I think it was, at our church on a Wednesday night. And uh, Tasha is a part of that church. And we're going to send a group over to Scotland, Lord willing, to work with 20 Schemes. And Julie's going to tell us a little bit about that. And I'll let you take it. Um, I have been blessed to be here at Church on Mill for about a year now. And um, I think that the Lord is really... Um, doing a work in our relationship with 20 Schemes and specifically with Nidri Community Church and just with the, all of the connections with our children um, and also having the opportunity to hear from Mez and Sharon and Matthew in person. Um, it's been a real blessing to me. I, um, I'm really excited to, to lead the team in October. We'll be going October 10th through 18th. Um, we can take eight people. So um, we're having an informational meeting after the service next week. So I would love for you to take um, some time to pray and consider. Um, I know for me personally, I um, meeting Sharon was really influential for me when she came, um, just hearing her heart for women's ministry there. And so I think that God was already softening my heart to opportunity for me to go. And so I, f I feel um, uh, blessed and humbled to get to lead. And I would really encourage you to consider um, if there's even a smidge of interest, come and hear more information on Sunday. Um, we thought that while Natasha was here, we should ask her what it might be like for a team um, coming over to serve with Nidri Community Church. So tell us what that would be like. Um, so I don't know 100% exactly what, what you would be doing. Um, each team varies, but one of the biggest things is, is just joining our church and living life with us and living in community with us. Um, so we are heavily involved in the community of Nidri um, and we try as a staff team to involve ourselves in other community projects going on outside. Sorry, my throat's really sore. Um, and one of the things is just be, we wouldn't be doing anything like extra special because you were there, but actually just use coming along and supporting us and helping us in the ministries we already run. Um, so we have various youth groups um, most of the kids we work with are uh, community kids, so they don't come to church on a Sunday. They, um, their parents, have, most of them have never been to church. Um, but we see these kids come through our doors at, in the evenings. And um, I also run a teenage Bible uh, study for girls, so it'd be an opportunity for the women to help in that. And there's various other, we have a cafe, um, so you'd be able to work in that. But and we're also connected to a nursing home, and that they tend to need a lot of help. Um, sort of hands-on help with their garden or painting um, and there's a couple other buildings surrounding uh, the church that, that so, like need to, they need like sort of maybe like repainted or um, just things like that so the big the biggest thing is just coming alongside our church and becoming part of our church family and doing the things we do daily 
energy in the ministries we do. So, Thank you. I'm just personally encouraged spending a few hours with Natasha and reminded that our God is the God of this world and in control, and people are doing the same type of gospel work that we desire to do as a body um, across the globe. And so we get to go um, and just walk alongside them and learn from them and hopefully encourage them. I think that hopefully will be really the purpose of our trip. So again, we'd love to have you learn more next week with us. Any questions for Julie or Tasha? Immediately following the worship gathering, so at noon, noon-ish, there'll be a brief informational meeting. No. Heck no. No. Any other questions? No, still no. I was joking. Uh, I, I was just struck listening to that whole string of um, opportunities and things that are already happening, um, how uh, God uh, has sent his church out on the mission to share the gospel. And that's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you've just heard that and seen evidence of it. And it's encouraging, isn't it? to watch as God is at work in those ways. So very, very exciting. Um, the Lord is uh, big, and he's doing things all over the world. And it's awesome to be a church family in such a way that we're able to be a small part of that. So um, there's just lots of ways that you're uh, contributing to that, even perhaps without being aware. Uh, when you're praying for these things, the Lord is, is using you. Um, every dollar you give helps to do mission locally, with interns, helps to do it internationally through these kinds of opportunities and partnerships that we have. So just really awesome things that God's doing. Very exciting. Uh, normally, before we spend time in prayer at our uh, members' meetings, uh, I will spend a little bit of time giving some updates on various things that are happening and encouraging you to pray about some items coming up. Uh, tonight, uh, for that segment, uh, we are going to have Bill Heaton, come and share with us some things that God is doing in his life. And then uh, following that, I will take a few minutes to uh, reflect on that as well as uh, somebody else. We'll do the same thing, and then uh, we will pray. So uh, Bill is uh, going to share with us, and I know that you will pray for him as he does so. Did you just call that a lectern? Yeah, that's what Sandy would tell me. Do you want this too? Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to read some of this, most of this to you. Excuse me for reading, but then I'm going to interject a couple of times. So, um, there. In November 2011, Chuck and I began having a conversation about my future plans and where God was leading me for the next 10 to 15 years of ministry. A short time later, I began applying for student pastor jobs to see if God was ready to move me to the next place of ministry. At one point, when Andrea's mom was ill, we thought that we may need to move to Florida to help care for her. But God was merciful, and Sandy did not uh, stay sick long and passed away soon after. 
I continued to apply for the jobs in that area because I was thinking God might have us move there to help comfort Andrea's dad. But nothing was turning up. At that point, I began meeting with Randy Hagler and seeking God's counsel on what step, and seeking his counsel, Randy's not God. Uh, <laughs> right, Pam? <laughs> and seeking God's counsel on what next step should be. I felt, uh, led, I've always felt led to student ministry, and, but realized at my age and the point of my ministry, I may need to consider another area of ministry for my long-term future. Because of the wonderful experiences I had with Impuge, we served at Rosemont Senior Care Center. Along with many people affirming my strengths and pastoring people one-on-one, -on -one, I began exploring, some, exploring chaplaincy ministry. I've seen God's hand in his change, and I've met numerous people that are knowledgeable about chaplains. Um, it's been really bizarre. The last four months, I've met more chaplains and been around chaplains more than ever in my life. In fact, Sunday or Saturday or ugh, Friday night, Beth uh, is in Sound of Music performing, and all the parents went to Sonic. And I'm sitting there, and this lady is right next to me, and I said, you work for Desert Banner, don't you? She said, yes, I do. And I began to have a conversation with her about chaplaincy ministry, and she said, you would be awesome at this work in chaplaincy ministry. And this another one of those God affirmations of, you know, he's leading you to the right place. So anyway, um, so this has allowed me uh, to see he is opening the next opportunity for me. I've gone to several trainings, began volunteering for Hospice of the Valley, and have talked with several chaplains. At this point, I feel God is leading me to acquire some further education required to be involved in chaplain ministry. The leadership team and personnel team have given me a proposal to help further my education. I need, uh, to, need to help me to get the full, uh, become a full-time chaplain. The proposal includes at least the first unit of CP process which is 40 hours a week for 10 weeks over the summer. I'm excited as the many things I will learn in this first unit of the clinical pastoral education program. When this class begins, I will need to lighten my load here at Churchill Mill. The teams are proposing that I focus on youth ministry, finishing college ministry at the end of May. My salary will continue as normal through the summer. During this time, I will begin applying for various chaplain jobs. Most jobs, they require you to have some part or just beginning the process of the CP program. Um, then at the end of the summer intensive care, if I'm not employed as a chaplain, I have been offered to continue as youth pastor part-time. My salary will, be, will go to part-time and I will continue until the end of the year at this position. Hopefully at that point I'll have a full-time job as a chaplain. The transition from one ministry to another has been a challenge and a slow process where I've sought the counsel and direction of friends and those whom I highly respect. I'm not sure where God will take me, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to start the training required and that the church is offering to pay for the first two units of classes that I need. I move forward somewhat reluctantly because I love student ministry and I have passion for discipling youth and college students, but I know God has a plan for me in this next phase of my ministry. I'm excited about the new opportunities God will allow me to do as a chaplain. At this point, we're going to be, still be part of the church on the family. I don't know where my new training is going to take me. There's a lot of unknowns here. I've been asked a lot of questions, but there's a lot of things I can't answer because I don't know. And that's, that's really where it is. Uh, but we don't know where the training is going to take me. At some point, God might lead me to a chaplaincy job that requires me to be there on Sundays. Or I may have, find a position at another church. 
I'm open to where God leads and provides. Andrea's not planning on leaving her job at this point. Again, if needed, she may need to leave to get a full-time job at some point. But once again, we just don't know. We plan on being part of the Church on Mill family until God shows us his next steps. I want to thank Church on Mill for allowing me to serve for you the last 20 years, 16 years as the student pastor. <laughs> Sorry, got a little frog in my throat here. <laughs> and uh, let me just say, in the last 16 years as student pastor, please keep my family in your prayers as we seek what God's direction will be for my future ministry. Um, I need to let you know that next week uh, we will not be here because of a family situation that we've already planned. I'm telling people that because if I'm not here next week, I don't want rumors to spread all over the church. <laughs> and then uh, in two weeks I'll be gone again because Katie's going to compete in a competition in uh, California. So you won't see me a couple of times the next few Sundays. You know, so I just wanted to clarify that because... I, I know how things get started. I didn't want people to think something, you know. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much. I uh, covet your prayers through this process. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to be able to take any questions tonight. I just need to take a break. <laughs> but uh, p please feel free to contact me if you want to talk. I'm here. I'm not leaving. Uh, I'm not abandoning anyone. I told the college students, I said, you have to put up with me for a long time anyhow. <laughs> and so um, I just want you to all know that. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Bill, for sharing. Um, Bill and, and uh, Andrea are... Uh, stepping out uh, because uh, we want to share some um, suggestions that the leadership team and personnel team have and see if you would be willing to uh, participate in a few things to aid them in this uh, process. It's a, it's a big deal when one of the pastors of a church is uh, called to do something else. So um, I've taken some time to try and uh, reflect on this for us as a church family. And just would like to share that with you and uh, ask you to consider it. And then Chuck Davis, who is part of our personnel team, will uh, come. He's also known as the original Chuck. Uh, so I, I guess first, I just, just even though um, he's not here now, um, I'd just like to publicly thank Bill for his lengthy full-time ministry as a member of the Church on Mill staff. Um, it's uncommon for someone to stay in one church as long as Bill has. And uh, there's great benefit in longevity in ministry, and uh, we've seen many of those benefits. And so uh, I'm thankful for the work he's done. In particular, his consistency and commitment and love for people have always uh, shown brightly. Bill is a people person, and uh, he's blessed a lot of, of people directly. Many youth and college students know Christ better because Bill has invested in them, and many of you are sitting here tonight. Uh, transitions are often challenging. We love and appreciate Bill and the important work he's done. While it's difficult to imagine Bill ministering in a hospital or hospice setting, not daily with us, God promises that he will build uh, his church. So, in other words, if this is the work that the Lord is now calling Bill to, then 
that means he also has something good for us in mind uh, as his body. He promises to work all things together for the good of those who love him. As I've reflected on this, there's kind of three primary issues that have come to mind that may help us grasp why God is orchestrating this transition. And because we're a church family, I'd just love to take a moment and share them with you. Uh, number one is Bill's desire to move towards chaplaincy. At the, the internal leadership level, not just staff, but uh, really the core leaders of the church, one of our driving principles is that in leadership we believe wherever possible, people ought to spend the bulk of their time doing the thing they're most passionate about and most gifted in. And Bill's is very, very clearly ministry one-on-one with people. He shines in that like, unlike um, most people that I've ever worked with, honestly. Um, and he excels in personal ministry and loves spending time individually with people. He's clearly energized by caring for the individual. A vocational ministry change to chaplain work will allow Bill to spend the majority of his time doing what he does best, that is sitting with people one-on-one and devoting time and care and attention to them. Uh, so we're excited about this for that reason. I looked today, and there are 56 hospitals in the valley. Uh, that's a lot of sick people. And, and that's in addition to um, the, the vast number of hospice-type care facilities that are in the valley as well. Everyone involved in this process believes Bill will prosper greatly as a chaplain. And so that would be the, the dominant thing that is very evident and clear that God's doing here. Um, second, Bill alluded to this, um, that there are seasons of a leader's life. Uh, this transition makes sense when we consider that reality. Uh, at different times in the life of the church and in the life of us as his people, the Lord seems to use us in slightly different ways. Uh, Bill has been a youth pastor for many, many years. Uh, youth pastors, in my experience, in variety of settings, reach a point where they transition to some other type of ministry or they get a secular job. It's inc- incredibly common. And um, why? One can only eat so many pizzas and go so many nights without sleep. Um, I'm happy for Bill that the Lord has given him a, a renewed a sense of calling. I've seen very gifted people reach the season of life that Bill is in and not be able to make the jump to some other kind of ministry. And uh, they end up really struggling and floundering in that latter season of life. And God has given Bill a, a new heart for something new. And so that's great. Uh, that means the same kinds of things that the Lord has used him for here will happen in the future just in different ways. That will maximize this next season in Bill's life. So while his departure from full-time staff will be difficult, the extension of his ministry elsewhere is something that we ought to praise God for and be thankful for. Um, Finally, uh, this one I think we are, are more just wondering about. Uh, that I would just term as a pastor, as ministry multiplier. Uh, as Bill transitions from ministries, this gives the church an opportunity to step back and consider the ways God has been faithful to us and the ways we might want to consider adapting ministry strategies to be even more effective in the future. Uh, culture is always changing, tremendously changing, and therefore churches that want to remain effective in the unchanging gospel have to change the way they do things. So what exactly those changes mean, I honestly have no idea, except that I know we always need to be considering um, how is it that the 
unchanging truth of Scripture needs to be uh, communicated in various ways in order to remain effective in ministry. Bill's transition gives us an opportunity as a church to ask those kind of questions, in particular related to how we can reach out and serve to ASU. Bill's passion and skill set, as we've said, is one-on-one ministry. Historically, that's what the church has asked for someone in that position to do. As we've moved to gospel communities and a variety of other discipleship-oriented changes, we may need uh, a person that is a multiplier, a leader of leaders, if you will. And uh, I don't know who that person is, and if you do, I'd love to know, because that would speed this process up. But all of us need a, a humble posture of learning and discovering what God wants us to do now as a body. And the way Bill is going to be transitioning, um, and Chuck will tell you more about this, the other Chuck, uh, will tell you more about this in a moment. But um, with uh, Bill still being here and still being involved in some of the ministry that he's been involved in, and the Lord already providing uh, Logan, who can step in and serve as um, a pastoral intern in these areas, it'll give us an opportunity to try and, as a body, really pray through Uh, What does the Lord want us to do in the future? And how can we adapt ministry in a way that will be helpful? One of the ideas we have is to form a college ministry think tank who would spend the summer together reflecting on how do we take the journey that we've been on as a body and consider how that specifically means we need to be reaching out to the ASU community. I was meeting with somebody last week who's not part of our church, and he used the phrase, uh, ASU is the largest mission field in the United States. I'd actually thought of that in that way before, but there's some real truth uh, to that. Uh, 60,000 students, the vast majority of which are not believers. The ones that are, the majority of them get involved in parachurch ministries, which are doing great work, but the majority of them don't get involved in churches. And so the end result is not very positive. So how is it that God would use us in the future? This group would try to think through that and pray through that. If you have an interest in that, please let Chuck Davis or I know. I hope that you'll join me in expressing praise to God and gratitude for Bill for his ministry at Church on Mill as the youth and college pastor. Your kind words will be an encouragement to him as he makes this uh, challenging transition. Uh, You saw the emotion. Uh, This is not an easy thing. Not only has Bill served here a long time, but he's been in the body um, even longer. So for those of you new in the room, Bill started uh, here at Church of Mill as a high school student. Uh, So that's, that's a long time to be a part of one family. It's my hope that this transition will bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Bill actively engages the important mission fields of hospital and hospice around the valley. A couple suggestions for you. Uh, Bill will need your support as he goes through that training. Um, He has given sacrificially to us. This is now a time for us to give sacrificially to him and to support him. Beth and Katie will need your understanding as their father makes a major shift in ministry focus. Uh, That will be a big change for them. How can we serve them and encourage them and rally around them? Andrea will need your encouragement as the whole family learns a new rhythm of life. Let's be faithful to bless them as they have blessed us. A couple of specific suggestions, and then Chuck will come, and then we'll take your questions. Uh, effective May 26th, uh, Bill will continue responsibilities as youth pastor, but will forego his work with college. 
And uh, Logan is, is not replacing uh, Bill as college pastor, but will pick up an important ministry in those areas. We would love to pay Bill full-time through the summer chaplain training. Uh, so he will enter a program that's 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, and then on call, and will serve in the evenings uh, to keep the youth activities going. Uh, we'd love to bless him for his nearly... 20 years as a pastor here uh, by contributing to their family's needs and uh, not not trimming any salary or anything like that and just give them the opportunity to pursue a new career while not having the burden of how are we going to put food on the table. Uh, that's an exceptional request. Uh, that's an unusual request. But we, we believe it honors the Lord and um, your desire to uh, bless uh, him. So Chuck will talk a little bit more about that. Um, we'd like to thank him for his years of service, and your donations would make that, that possible. After Bill's training, if he doesn't yet have a full-time chaplain role, uh, he may choose to serve the remainder of the year as a part-time youth pastor. Logan, uh, I already talked about Logan, sorry. The personnel and leadership team will begin actively looking and uh, initiating the process of seeking God's will regarding future pastoral staffing. We would welcome your prayers and input um, in that process. I am personally thankful for Bill's commitment to the church, Lord willing, this transition with Bill into a local chaplain role will be a tremendous encouragement to him and to us. The desire is to see the family remain in Tempe as members of Church on Mill and Andrea to continue her excellent work as the director of preschool and children's ministries. So let's pray to that end. And hopefully that will be what the Lord does. Uh, Chuck will come now and uh, give us some more specific information related to the general uh, proposal that I'm sharing with you. And then he and I t together will take uh, your questions. those of you that don't know me, I'm Chuck Davis. I'm a lay member of what Chuck referred to as the personnel team. And I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about, A, what the personnel team is, because that's not a word we use a lot at Church on Mill. You don't hear that on Sunday mornings very often. We're a group that works uh, diligently towards a specific set of objectives, and I want to kind of lay that out a little bit for everybody tonight to explain why I'm here talking about the transition plan with Bill, and then to get into the specifics of that plan for Bill as he moves forward this summer and this fall. Um, the personnel team, made up of myself, Todd Deal, Tammy Ogilvy, and Chuck Newkirk, work together to advise the church body on personnel issues. Our roles include, first and foremost, faithfully praying for the protection, spiritual health, and ministry effectiveness of the staff at Church on Mill. Another goal of the personnel team is to provide support and encouragement to the staff by advocating for them and seeking to improve their lives and ministries. I personally have found... Uh, a much deeper level of respect for staff members here at Church on Mill, for staff members I've interacted with in the past, and for all other staff members I know at churches through the work on this team. Uh, there are many verses that say that uh, those working to further God's kingdom and the work of the gospel on earth through a vocational ministry position are held to a high responsibility. They're held to a high call, and we see that scripturally. And I've seen through working directly with personnel issues at Church on Mill that many of the people that um, I've dealt with in the past, and specifically the people here at Church on Mill, take that calling seriously. It's something that 
when I have a bad day at work, I can write that off to a bad day at work. When somebody in a role who is called biblically to move the gospel forward, uh, nothing is easy. No decisions are easy, and I've seen that. I've seen how these men and women struggle on behalf of God's kingdom, on behalf of our church family, and I appreciate that. It's been a role in which I've grown uh, significantly through the people that are currently on the team, the people that have been on the team in the past, and, and I'm very appreciative of that. And I have found a lot of fulfillment praying for our staff. Uh, if you're interested in how to do that better, we've spent time doing that. As that's one of our goals as a team. So when you speak to me, that's something that, that we uh, hold important for the personnel team. And finally, the personnel team deals with very fun issues, uh, advising the leadership team on personnel matters, compensation, including salary and benefits, such as health insurance. If anybody wants to help me figure out Obamacare and how that relates to nonprofits, uh, please come talk to me afterwards. We're very interested. But we deal with those things regularly for all staff at Church on Mill. Um, other, other benefits that are involved as well, um, providing job descriptions, help uh, and direction on day-to-day -day function of different positions. So that's what the personnel team does. It is in this role that I was asked to make a statement regarding Bill's decision tonight. To begin regarding Bill's specific transition plan, I would like to say that the leadership team and personnel team would like to reiterate and affirm everything Pastor Chuck just said regarding Bill's transition. We want to sincerely thank Bill for his years of faithful service at Church on Mill, far predating me, and I appreciate that and recognize that. We would like to affirm God's work in Bill's life and bless the Heatons by supporting his training and preparation efforts over the next several months in every way that we can as he transitions into this new ministry call. After much prayer and discussion, the leadership team and the personnel team worked with Bill to develop the following transition plan that Bill and Chuck have both alluded to in part, and I'm going to lay out some more specifics for. Truly hoping this transition plan demonstrates our appreciation of Bill as a church body for his more than two decades of service here. The personnel team feels this plan is a faithful stewarding of God's resources in light of the timing and nature of Bill's transition, as well as the general status of the staff, the personnel, and the ministry vision and direction of Church on Mill at this time. The transition plan is broken into two phases, for the summer of 2014 as well as the fall, and I'm going to talk about each of those individually, as Bill and Chuck have alluded to in part. Uh, for the summer of 2014, from May 26th to August 16th, Bill will attend the full-time intensive su summer CPE unit program with Banner Desert Medical Center that he was talking about for chaplaincy work, which starts on May 27th and ends August 16th. While Bill goes through the intensive program, he will continue working at Church on Mill approximately 10 hours a week. Bill's primary focus during this time will be on the continued health of the youth ministry. This limited role will prevent Bill from traveling to some of the typical summer camps that he was just talking about. But volunteers have already been identified to take his place in these roles, and we're working actively to fulfill Bill's ministry roles throughout the summer as we work through this transition period. Uh, and another way we're working to do that is Logan Paschke has been identified to begin work as a pastoral intern at Church on Mill on May 26th as Bill's transitioning out to help with, again, not to replace Bill, but to help with the uh, shortfalls in the college ministry during that time. During the summer intensive program, Church on Mill will continue to pay Bill's full salary and all benefits. That's something important as part of the plan. We're looking at his entire compensation package, including health care uh, for the Heatons and, and all of Bill's salary and benefits. In addition, Church on Mill plans to pay the $600 fee for the training itself. During this time, Bill plans to be actively applying for chaplain positions to begin at the intensive program or shortly thereafter on August 16th. And that is as per working through this with Bill. The next phase of the transition, which I was just discussing, the fall of 2014 phase of this transition, will be dependent on what happens during the summer phase. As Bill is looking for work, that will dictate where we go from there. Um, most chaplain positions, as his research has shown, require this first training. He'll get through that 
and uh, wouldn't begin full-time work more than likely until after that training is complete. So depending on where we stand at the end of the summer, the fall transition plan may look a little different, but we have presented this as one option depend, uh, uh, depending on where he is at that time. After the completion of the intensive program, Bill will continue to work part-time at Church on Mill if he has not acquired a chaplain position yet. Church on Mill would like to have Bill continue his role as youth pastor for the remainder of 2014 as needed on a part-time basis, depending on the chaplaincy position, with the following agreements. Starting on August 16th, Bill will work 20 hours a week for Church on Mill as the youth pastor through December 31st, 2014, if needed, again, depending on his, his chaplain position. We would like to compensate Bill for his part-time at half his current salary for the 20 hours a week that he will be working, as well as the full health care costs for Bill and the Heaton family through December 31st of this year. This arrangement will continue until Bill's acquisition of a chaplain position. Also, if Bill does not have a chaplain position after completing the summer intensive, and if he decides to enroll for the extended CPE unit, which he has identified as very helpful in acquiring chaplain work, um, it's an extension to the summer training and additional training at that time. Uh, beginning on September 3rd, Church on Mill would like to pay the $600 tuition fee for that course as well. We are excited about working with the Heatons at Church on Mill over the next few months to achieve the summer phase of the transition plan. That's the part going through August 16th. And working towards the fall phase of the plan as God's will is revealed. Understanding that if he has not been able to acquire a position at that time, we would like to proceed with the full plan as laid out for the fall of 2014. Also, as Chuck mentioned, we are excited about the possible ministry opportunities this transition plan provides for the church entering the fall semester of this year. However, our personnel line item in the general budget cannot absorb both the fall phase of the transition plan outlined above, as well as a possible new hire to fulfill Bill's ministerial duties if God were to bring the right person to church on Mill by, the, by that time, being the beginning of the fall semester for the campus. We would want to dedicate the resources available to Bill and his family as this transition plan has been laid out. However, we're hopeful that with the generosity of the church as a way to thank the Heatons, we might be able to do both of these things. We might be able to realize both of these visions moving into the fall. But we want to give priority to the Heatons as a way to thank Bill and his family for many, many years of dedicated service at Church on Mill. Um, it would be difficult for us to completely express our love for Bill Landry and the girls. Bill has been a significant part of the ministry here for a very long time, and we want to bless him as he proceeds on this new adventure as we hope this transition plan shows. That is why we feel a generous transition plan is warranted, including both the summer and fall period, as needed. Um, would you please consider giving generously to support the transition plan outlined above beyond our general budget to say thank you to Bill for his many years of faithful service. This would leave flexibility in the 2014 personnel budget entering the fall semester to bring a new staff member on board, if possible, if that person is revealed to the church in time to begin for the fall semester. To make a special donation for this transition plan for Bill, please designate your gift as transition on the offering envelope. All funds given will go directly to Bill and the Heatons as this transition unfolds. Finally, once again, the leadership team and the personnel team would like to thank Bill for his work publicly at Church on Mill. Let us all pray that God would continue to open doors for Bill into this new ministry area, that he would be a blessing to many people as he follows God's will as a chaplain, and that ultimately God's name would be glorified in this entire process. The personnel team and leadership team hope this plan honors your intentions as a church family to biblically support our pastors, as we feel that it honors our intentions as a team, a personnel team, to fulfill that objective. And with that, I'm going to open up to questions. I think Chuck and I will both be available. And your input and questions are welcome in regards to our transition plan for Bill. You can direct your questions to Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> the other Chuck. 
That's a great question. We have an approved 2014 general budget right now that includes personnel line items through December 31st of this year. So these gifts would go directly to, to the Eaton's to build for this transition plan as outlined, thereby freeing up what's remaining in the general personnel budget for the remainder of 2014. Does that answer that question? Art as transitions yeah, yeah. in the designated line item. There's that specified line. Does anybody look at the envelopes when they put their check in? Some do, some don't. So there's a designated dollar and then a specified line item. If you could just write the word transitions in that specified line item, we'll know what that's for, and then uh, that will go directly to Bill, allowing for more flexibility in the general budget. We should have had her talk instead of you, Chuck. <laughs> thank you for putting that up. Yes. <laughs> Very well stated. Yes, thank you. That's yeah. exactly right. You can certainly choose to, to do that. And the, um, the two, there's four training classes that Bill needs in order to be accredited as a chaplain. And this plan that we've shared would pay for two of them over this year. And the only way that will get paid for is as people give. If someone wanted to go beyond that, that wouldn't surprise me at all for this church family. But if somebody wanted to go beyond that and pay for more than that, you certainly could choose to do that. It's it. There's not. It. We're suggesting. I hope I didn't butt in on you, other Chuck, that uh, this be paid for. But there's no slush fund that that can come from. That's just general offerings of people giving, and Bill would use. Um, his money that is set aside in the budget for conferences in order to pay for most of that. It would cover a good portion of it. And who is wondering who's on first and who's on second and who's on third? 
Several of you, Tammy, yes. Pat. Uh, the CTE course, I think it's the certified pathway. Uh-huh. Exactly. Really, what uh, uh, what Bill is is talking about doing is making a, a career change. This is a lot bigger deal than just going to a different church. And so, uh, many of you have, uh, at particular seasons in life, chosen to go back to school, and that kind of thing would normally require uh, a second mortgage or taking out a loan on your schooling or putting your ramen noodles on a credit card. Uh, it would be great if this uh, family was blessed in such a way that they didn't have to do that. And that's essentially what we're proposing to you, is a, is a, a generous plan through which that wouldn't have to happen. Margaret. Um, you, there are courses in pastoral care that can be taken. Um, no, no. There are. Uh, it's. Uh, I've learned a lot uh, through this process and talking to Bill. Um, there are uh, only two. The, ideally, the work Bill would like to go into is, is hospice chaplaincy, and. Uh, in order to be accredited to do that, you have to have a particular type of training. And there's only two places in the country you can get it. And one of those is here, which is is pretty tremendous. That's a gift of the Lord. Uh, so he can get that at Banner, um, but he can't get that at a, at a seminary. No. This is really a budding area of ministry that I think we'll see in the coming years. Uh, more standardized care needs to be developed in order to provide for it. Uh, there's really not an overarching system uh, countrywide yet. So uh, who knows, maybe Bill will build one and become famous, and we will all want his autograph.
last call. Further questions? Okay. Thank you, Chuck. Appreciate you sharing. Did a great job. Uh, we'll stay around. If there's any further questions that you have offline that you'd like to talk about, we would be happy uh, to do that. Uh, so continue to pray for uh, the Heatons. Uh, I'm sure uh, notes and, and emails and uh, that sort of thing will be beneficial and helpful. If you would like to make uh, a gift of some type, there's um, envelopes here. And uh, feel free to do that. You can leave those in the box uh, in the back. Thank you for the way that you've uh, received uh, his news. And um, I have all the confidence in the world that the Lord will use Bill greatly, that he'll draw new people here, and uh, that you'll respond in really helpful ways. So thank you for that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Um, the, the more of that that's on the front end, uh, the better, because that enables planning for other people should the Lord provide them. But um, I, I've heard that Tad and Pam and others involved in the financial matters of the church do not tend to say no. So there's some sarcasm there. Thank you for being here tonight. It's been um, a great night. That was smooth. Scott Wakefield. Um, uh, thank you for uh, your presence here. Uh, it's been a great day, hasn't it? It's been a really tremendous day. The Lord is uh, among us. That is evident and very clear and uh, will be exciting to see what he does uh, in the future. So if you have further questions about anything that was discussed tonight, we would love to uh, share with you. And uh, Kent Hardy is going to come and pray us out. And then feel free to tarry as long as you'd like. If Scott does not drop the rest of the food in the back, you're welcome to have some more.